On the third floor of Norris, there's two cramped rooms. The walls are lined with bookshelves and bins, and rainbow trinkets fight for shelf space on the window ledge, which gives a clear view in from the hallway. At almost any time of day, at least before the pandemic, you could find students doing homework or chilling out inside, but you wouldn't see this space hosting big events or protecting students inside from the eyes of passerby. It's called the Gender and Sexuality Resource Center, more commonly known as the GSRC, and it's one of the only institutional spaces on campus for queer students. Nearly 25% of Northwestern's campus self-identified as queer in ASG's analytics report, but this space only holds 10 people. And not all queer students, or even most queer students on campus, find it central among the spaces they visit every day. I started realizing, oh, like that's nice, but there are heavy limitations to what the university has done, and that the spaces that we have feel almost as if they were like an asterisk, like an afterthought, rather than having intentional space. Like I think the gender sexuality corner is like a very tiny room in Norris. Like it's not very big. At first I thought like, oh, this is really cool. And then I slowly grew a little more disillusioned and realized like, oh, like there's definitely more work to be done. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Ilana Aragetti. And I'm Molly Lubers. This is Defining Safe a podcast looking at the intersection of identity and student life at Northwestern. This week, we're thinking about some of the ways queer students find space on campus, from formal places provided by the university to communities they create on their own. We just heard from communication senior Ray Tang. From Norris to Annie Mae Swift, Ray has spent a lot of time thinking about which buildings on campus make her feel the most comfortable. When she first realized she was trans, she didn't feel safe going into women's bathrooms yet. And not every Northwestern building had a gender-neutral bathroom. What politicizing the bathroom space does for trans women is that it ends up causing us to feel like this immense feeling of like fear and like imposter syndrome, like anxiety while navigating women's bathrooms. I remember when I just started out, like going into the women's bathroom was like a thing. Like it was just like, I had to like count to five. I had to walk into the door. I was like looking around, like, are people noticing me? Like, I think the biggest fear that the Republicans use is like that we're sexual predators trying to use the bathroom. So I literally have to like look around. I'm like, do people think I'm like a sexual predator? Like, I think what people don't realize is that trans women using bathrooms are oftentimes more scared of that. Everyone needs to use the bathroom, but they haven't been accessible to everyone, everywhere, on campus. The story I always tell is that I work at Lewis Hall, and I had to literally tell my colleague, I'm like, hey, I'm trans, I don't feel comfortable going to the women's bathroom yet because, you know, I'm just starting out. I have to walk all the way to Kresge. I'll be back in like 10 minutes. (laughs) But it's just moments like that where it's clear that While they're trying to create those spaces, it's not intentional enough that it doesn't extend everywhere on campus. So the university isn't doing enough to build spaces inclusive of trans students. Ray says she hasn't encountered that many explicitly anti-trans spaces, but many spaces neglect to consider the needs of trans students, and those are still exclusionary. In my larger experience as a whole, (laughs) that seems to be mostly the case, is that most people are not driven by, like, active hate towards trans people, but driven more so by ignorance. 
And I mean, at some point, at some level, that's equally dangerous because, you know, like it leads to the same effect of excluding trans people from your spaces. Most formal spaces on campus aren't designed with queer students in mind. Remember that space from the start of this episode, the GSRC that fits just 10 people? Rainbow Alliance external president Joe Scaletti is working to expand that. Right now, the GSRC sits tucked away on the third floor of Norris. What Joe envisions is an entire house on Sheridan Road. Moving it from a place that can hold only 10 people and is very difficult to hold events in and is overall kind of just hard to navigate into a place that maybe can hold 100 people or more, that will really change the way that we can connect with one another in the current GSRC. It's not big enough. There's not hardly any space for people to exist and, like, have fun and be loud and celebrate. It's all kind of smushed together. And I think part of what the GSRC is going to provide is space to celebrate being queer. The change would mean more than just square footage. Beyond the sheer difference of size, this new space would also be on a street that students walk every day. Joe says that is intentional. Uh, Like at this point, it does to an extent feel like being pushed off to like a part of campus that no one really even knows about or no one like tries to go to unless you're being very intentional. And so to have a house, hopefully on Sheridan is what we're really pushing for, a visitable big space for LGBT students to feel seen and to have resources and to have community, I think means that we are able to really feel like that we're important to the university, that we're important to campus culture, that like we're, we're here and we deserve a voice and we deserve space to grow and to be together. Joe successfully advocated for this in ASG Senate, but is still seeking board of trustees approval and raising funds for the house. This advocacy isn't new. It actually comes from a long line of activists. Back in the early 2000s, students asked for a house on Sheridan, too. Instead, they had to compromise for the current space. Almost two decades later, Joe isn't satisfied. It shouldn't be up to us to advocate for everything that we need. I am tired of the university ignoring queer students. I'm tired of the university ignoring marginalized students broadly. I'm tired of the university not listening to us the first time. It's taken years to get from, we can't give you a space, to let's try to get you into a house. And I'm grateful for that last step, and I'm very grateful for the people who have come before me. But there has to come a point when they listen the first time. There has to come a point when they are willing to say, we didn't realize that this was something that you needed, but now that we're aware, we're going to get that done. Because we need to be that important. And at this point, I don't know that we entirely are. And that's really frustrating because I do care about this university, but I need this university to care about me too. To Weinberg freshman Emilio Cabral, the fact that a house like this doesn't already exist exposes the university's priorities. He said one of the most uncomfortable places for him on campus is the Greek quads, and they dominate a lot of space. 
By giving Greek life dozens of houses on campus while allotting a cramped space for the GSRC, he feels like the university is sending a clear message to the student body. Walking through the fraternity quad and it's like, it's just this sense of we're not in Kansas anymore, I guess. And so it's like, I think one time I was wearing like my a pink sweater tied around my waist and I was wearing like these overalls and I was just like, you know, should I put the sweater back on? And it's just like this idea that you know, maybe it's not the norm on North Campus, so it kind of feels like I'm back home in like a suburb and I have to, you know, censor myself. Why is these really nice buildings only for, you know, just the fraternities and sororities? I think it talks a lot about like priorities. So like if, you know, we're having all this money and all these nice things for these groups that have gotten away with, you know, racism or sexism and causing harm, deliberate harm, it's like, you know, why hasn't the queer spaces already been institutionalized? At the same time, a safe space looks different to everyone. So formalizing spaces or expanding the formal spaces that do exist isn't a universal goal. Many queer students on campus, including Emilio, don't necessarily want their identity to be linked directly to the university at all. I don't want my queerness to be connected to the institution that is Northwestern University, but I really think that like it's amazing for the people that want to go and for it to be an option. It's just, you know, a step forward in the right direction, I think. Yeah. But existing queer spaces can also be exclusionary of students intersecting identities. Bean and freshman Olivia Pierce said that queer spaces like the GSRC don't always feel meant for her. It's like, it's open for everybody, but like, I think you have to really be intentional about the spaces you're creating if you want to make it actually open to everybody, because like the black queer experience is very different from the white queer experience. I feel like I would go to the black house first. I'm a queer black person, but like people don't see me and go, oh, that's a member of the LGBT community because I'm black first in terms of like how people perceive me. And so, like, it's more important, it's way more important for me to have, like, black spaces where I can, like, really express how I feel, especially because a lot of the queerness on campus in terms of, like, how people create community is kind of connected to whiteness. And so I don't feel 100% like I can really express how I feel in spaces that are queer and white. Ray agreed. I think queer spaces tend to be white. I'm not quite sure why that is. Maybe there's just, I mean, I know for, like, being Chinese-American, the amount of stigma attached to queerness is just unbelievably high. Like, it's just such a difficult hurdle. And that was something that I struggled with at the start of my experience. Emilio says it's frustrating when white queer students treat racism like it's a theoretical discussion or act like they have insight into other forms of oppression just because of their queerness. Us being queer is not equal to the oppression we face because of our skin color, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that sometimes it's hard to exist in these majority white spaces because we can't rely on our queer identity to look through lenses. It's intersectional. And so sometimes it feels as if, you know, our white peers think that because they're queer, they can speak on certain things, but they can't necessarily do that. Emilio said he mostly relies on informal spaces that he can build with other Northwestern students. He would rather start from scratch than work around and within the limitations of what the university already has. He's a freshman and was off campus this past fall, but he stayed connected through the Queer 2024 Group Me, created by and for queer freshmen last year. Currently, there's almost 200 people in the group chat. In the Queer Group Me, we spent the bulk of the pandemic together and so it's just something that I feel like we all have a unique experience that we share. Even when freshmen return to campus, 
Emilio felt like the group me was still a place that queer students could connect, including himself. He found long-lasting friendship through the online space. I met my best friend through the queer group me, and we're both queer students of color, and we play piano all the time at Hobart, and we've played at Willard, and we play guitar outside Shepherd, and I think just through music, we've been able to connect like that. That friend is Olivia, who we heard from earlier. We just started talking and we kept talking. We haven't stopped talking. And so that queer friendship has been really cool because, you know, before that, I wasn't really surrounded by a lot of queer people. So Olivia and I's relationship, you know, was really, really new to me. I can say whatever I want when Olivia's around and we'll laugh and we'll walk down South Campus and like people look at us and it's like, it doesn't matter because, you know, the only person we're talking to is each other. And so I think that's been really special. Just, you know, being able to exist with her has been just really comforting. In Emilio's phone, her name is saved as Olivia, the love of my life. Olivia said that she feels the same. So one time me and Emilio were walking, as we do, arm in arm, whatever, and we were talking about like where we feel most comfortable on campus. And he basically was like, he's going to hate this because I'm definitely the sappy one in the friendship. But he was like, Olivia, I feel like I don't need like identity-based spaces just because you are my community. And I was like, wow, like, I didn't know individual people could be your community and your space. (laughs) Olivia also found community in spaces like her acapella group, Soul For Real. She says the group, which describes itself as Northwestern's premier black acapella group, isn't an expressly queer club, but she has connected with a lot of queer members. It's been really fun. And they're not just like focused on acapella, they really focus on building community, which I love. Not to be like cliche, but it feels like a little family, which is really nice. Ray had a similar experience on her ultimate Frisbee team, which she says has been one of her most important homes on campus, despite the fact that it isn't explicitly queer. I remember the day one, like, the women's coach was like, hey, I know you didn't hit your one-year hormonal requirement yet, but, like, if you want to practice with us, that's super fine. If you don't and you're not ready, that's also fine. Just take your time. And now I'm captaining the women's ultimate team. And I think that, like, kind of speaks to the level of acceptance in the programs and how, yeah, how much I love the sport. Beyond student organizations, some living spaces on campus are said to be more queer than others. Last month, Emilio tweeted this. If I wrote for the Daily, I would simply write an investigative piece on the percentage of South Campus that's actually gay. Now, we couldn't find out the exact number of queer students on South Campus for a lot of reasons. But if you know the vibes, you know the vibes. I can walk into Allison Dining Hall and I'm like, I know you, I know you. And then it's just, it's a joke because it's funny, but then it's just, it's just true. But just because queer students can sometimes recognize each other on campus, doesn't mean that everyone is in community with one another. The result of this isn't so much a tight-knit queer group on campus as a loose network. From my experience, I think queer community at Northwestern is largely scattered. I don't think it's a very, like, strong community and that we're not that united. Queerness is weird at Northwestern sometimes because it's like, initially I wanted to feel like, oh, I can do all these things like that I normally do and be queer, and that's not a big deal, which I think is cool. But then 
at some point for me, I also realized, crap, I need a community to lean on. I need people who like understand what I'm going through. And that's also definitely important. And I think that is something we are missing as like a student body at Northwestern. Instead, people are finding their own spaces, a living room, a group chat, a table Norris. And these spaces are all over, whether the university decided they could be or not. I have many friends who are LGBT and we don't go to the GSRC when we want to hang out. You know, like they're my friends and I, you know, I see them walking down the sidewalk and maybe we go to mod and get some pizza, you know, like informal spaces are important because that's how you build a lot of connections outside of the formal spaces. Like I think that they can exist and that they should exist together and in harmony. Queer students are defining their own spaces on campus every day. So we asked, what makes a space safe to you? If you feel safe with a person and it's like, you feel like you can talk about anything, then yeah, that is a safe space. And so that's been really cool that like, there's formal spaces where you can go and meet people and you like share an identity. But then there's also just people who you really connect with and are really close with. And that also counts as a safe space. In queer space, you know, if that just means to me, I don't have to think about what it means to be queer or if I'm presenting my queerness in the right way, I can just talk with other queer people and we can exist. And then safe space, I just want to be able to exist in spaces where I don't need to put on a persona in order to be accepted or be liked. So I don't want to have to go through, you know, hours of small talk with someone just for us to feel like we're friends. I want to be able to get back what I put in. So I don't want to exist in any space where I feel like it's hard for me to exist because I'm having to put in energy just to be myself. For me, a safe space is really just a space where you can be free in your own skin and in your own self. I think a lot of people, not just, you know, queer people, wear masks to protect themselves from, you know, different things that exist in other people. I think a safe space is just a place where you can come in exactly as you are and ask for exactly what you need and you're going to be held and supported. I think a safe space has to have the principles of equity cooked into its foundation. Like, I, I don't, it, I think it's extremely hard to create a space and then have to amend it for like, oh, like we want Asian Americans to feel safe in this. Oh, we want our black students to feel safe. Like, it's just, it's nearly like, I don't want to say impossible. It's just extremely difficult to change an already like established institution slash like space. Whereas if that inclusion, if that like intentionality for intersectionality exists already in the like foundations and like how the space is built, I think that makes a world of difference. When I'm in a space that feels like it's meant for me, I feel like I wouldn't be thinking about all this stuff that, all that much. Like, you know, like, or I would only feel safe in the space. I guess like when I'm not like constantly self-conscious about my transness, my queerness, my any, my everything, like when I just kind of feel like I'm just a human. This episode was reported and produced by me, Molly Lubers, and Alana Aragetti. 
The audio editor of The Daily Northwestern is Madison Smith. The digital managing editor is Haley Fuller. And the editor-in-chief is Sneha Day. Thanks for listening.